Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash comedy podcast network. My name is Rich Baker, and this is Living the Dream. Looking back, we were not good. You know, we were... <laughs> I get to interview the rare few who make their living in the world of entertainment. Because we wanted... There was no way for us to get that kind of knowledge from books. Big thank you to Phil Ranta, CEO of Comedy Podcast Network. That was a great show. I hear you like chess. Do you want to play a game? I'll be like, absolutely. Let's go to the Applebee's. <laughs> Diana Lawrence made the original music. Tom Burns did the logo. And then being so addicted to the adrenaline of it, and being like, this is what I'm going to do. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Living the Dream Podcast. That they were just like, you're just gone. We love you, but <laughs> there's not, you know, there's not really. Any- also, if you are on iTunes, subscribe. There's a lot of great episodes you may not have heard going all the way back to August. And if you could leave us a comment or a rating, that would be hugely helpful. Thank you very much. We went from 12 shows one year to a little under 200 the next year. Send me an email if you want to be on the show. You know someone wants to be on the show. You have a question for me. Anything like that. It's livingthedreampodcast at gmail.com. Like, there is so much corn in the United States. You just see (laughs) corn everywhere. This is episode number 41. He's an actor, improviser, theater owner from Los Angeles, California, Aaron Krebs. Two quick plugs. If you're in the Chicagoland area on the 16th of July, that's a Monday at 8 p.m., I'll be performing 45 minutes of comedy at Studio B. That is on Sheffield, just south of Belmont. Opening for me is Jamie Campbell and Lucia Bonifazi, both hilarious people. If you can make it that, I appreciate it. Also, if you'd like to hear me on the other side of the mic, I was interviewed on Mark Cullum's podcast. It's called The Poor Choices Show. If you type in Poor Choices, show into iTunes is the first one that comes up. I am number 167. It was a really good time. Thanks so much. Here's Living the Dream. Living the Dream. My name is Rich. I have with me Aaron Krebs. He is actor, improviser, entrepreneur. Um, You got many hats on, my friend. It's like a collection of them. (laughs) Uh, So you are the, the guy in charge of Mission Improbable, which means a little bit more than it used to. It's uh, still a touring troupe, tours colleges, but it also has a West Coast branch. You also have your own theater. Uh, how long have you been doing that gig? Uh, I mean, that, that started in college back in the late 90s, uh, 95, 96, with some guys. Um, we've been doing it, you know, quote-unquote professionally since about 2000. Wow. Um, yeah, just different branches of it, and it's kind of, like you said, it's kind of grown into... Uh, a different style company of sorts. Where'd you go to school at? Where's, where's college? It started at uh, UMass Amherst is where um, there was an improv group there that did like a once a semester show. And then um, I went in and started performing with them. And I transferred from a different school where we had a weekly show. And it just seemed like it was easy enough to do a weekly show at a large university like that. So we just kind of transformed it and took the group in a different direction. We were doing... Short form games. I feel like it's you know the same story a lot of college groups go through. You know, you were doing games, and then you saw somebody do a long form show for us. That was the Improv Olympic Tour Company. Oh um, yeah. Yep. And um, who'd you see? Do you remember? Yeah, I do. It was um, Rachel Mason, uh, Tim, something or other. There's no. There's only one Tim in Improv. So that's, okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh, Liz Allen, Paul Grandi, Kevin Mullaney. Um, uh, Christina Gaussis was on it. There was a bunch of different folks, and uh, it was it was just like incredible to watch that. You know, yeah. it's like the first time you, you know, I, I don't know, the first the first time you do anything that you really love. You know, you're like, wow, that was amazing to see. Um, so we watched that, and then we used to 
uh, fly Liz Allen out to just teach us, you know, like once a month we would fly her out oh, wow. to Massachusetts because we wanted, there was no way for us to get that kind of knowledge from books. Yeah. Um, although, you know, we read Sharna's book uh, like a Bible. So, but there was just no way for us to get, you know, hands-on info. How did you raise the money to fly someone to Massachusetts well, once a month? it's funny you ask that. Uh, <laughs> we We weren't allowed to charge for the shows on campus, but... We could do a strongly suggested donation box, um, and I think early on we just used donation boxes for like parties and beer. But then after we saw this, we're like, all the money goes to Liz Allen. So um, yeah, we just we just started raising the funds, and we'd bring her out. And she was so gracious to just do it for pretty much plain fare, you know. And we'd give oh, her wow. some walking around money, and I just think she thought we were just it's like this crazy group of dudes who were you know, so in love with improv that she got a kick out of it. So uh, we did that, you know, cut to we, uh, some of us graduated, some of us didn't graduate. Um, and there was six of us who were just a close group of friends. And we decided to, rather than take jobs in other places, that we were going to um, just move to Chicago and, you know, try to absorb everything we possibly could about improv. And our limited knowledge, we thought it was like, oh, there's a theater and Sharna runs it and Dell is there. And, like, we're going to learn a bunch of improv stuff. And, um, you know, then you get here and you see just, like, the mass amount of stuff that you can find in Chicago. Oh, yeah. You know, like, Annoyance was so eye-opening for us. And then you had the playground, which was uh, we got in in the kind of fledgling stage. And they were gracious enough to let us perform on a weekly basis there. And then other people did, like, you know, Blue Man Group and uh, comedy sports um, and just, you know, other other different ventures in Chicago and Second City, of course. Yeah. So when you when the so the six of you moved here, did you all like maintain the troupe and and you know get stage time as the six of you, or did you kind of all go into different teams and? Things? No, we did actually. We we ended up doing something that was looking back on it, which was kind of unique. And at the time, we just assumed that was like, oh, that's fine. Yeah. Sharna won't mind that. Um, so when we came in, because we knew Liz, and I think because Liz had a good relationship with Sharna, she really pushed for like, hey, let these six guys, you know, do a show, give them stage time together. Because we'd worked together for, for about two years uh, in college, and then for about a year before we started doing stage work in Chicago. And um, so Sharna was fine with that. I think she saw that, you know, there were six people that were all committed to doing it and um, committed to learning the work. I, you know looking back we were not good you know we were uh i still remember miles stroth saying uh what i like about you guys is you're terrible improvisers but you're all real committed together to being terrible improvisers um but i always enjoyed that uh but she was fine with letting us you know do our own thing and um you know be together as a team and um you know we tried adding a few people here and there that she would suggest and some you know it just it just didn't ever feel right. Uh, we later added, around year two or so, we added Sean Monahan and Sean Casey. And um, that always felt like, it just felt like they were kind of cut from the same rock as us. So yeah, uh, it felt good. It felt like the right thing to do. And all <clears throat> those people then became Mission Improbable? Yeah, it was under the MI name just because that was our name. Oh, that was your name before. That was our name in college. And the only reason oh. we kept it was because we had all this uh, university bought promo material 
that, you know, like folders and uh, news articles from different festivals we had attended um, and like photos with the name at the bottom. So the only reason we kept the name, which, you know, it's an absolutely awful name. You know, it's just like pun city. It's like grapes of laugh, yeah. you know, or any of those <laughs> just deliciously horrible puns. Um, I mean, it's a terrible, terrible name. So we, um, uh, yeah, so we, um, did it always have the, the spy theme with it in the beginning? No, the show didn't. <clears throat> the show, uh, originally was just, you know, t-shirts and jeans when you were in college. We put the spy theme together, um, after about a year and a half, we had been learning long form and dedicating ourselves to long form and trying to figure out what we wanted to do and what the company was. And since for us, a lot of us, it was, let's not take jobs, you know, you know, I passed on a job at IBM in Manhattan. So it was like, rather oh, wow. than not take these jobs, we need to make this our career. So essentially we approached it from <clears throat> both an artistic and a business side. Like we would do our, our rehearsal or two rehearsals a week uh, for the artistic side, you know, uh, of improv, but then we would also do a three to four hour business meeting a week. Oh, so it was like, what's the business approach to this as well? So we wanted to, to kind of quantify improv in a way that was marketable. And for us, our market at the time, cause we were all, you know, between 21 and 23 was that college market. You know, that's where we felt we could do something and we weren't sure what that something was. And then, um, then it just kind of hit us one day, and I don't really recall how it came about, um, but we needed to, we were going to do a short form show, and we were going to try to do it in the cruise ship or college market. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, Liz had a friend who had some information about the college market, um, so she kind of helped us out, which is like, this is what you need, this is what you should do, here's you know where you should go to try to make it all happen. Um, so... And I still don't recall how we came about it, but somehow we're like, well, let's make it a themed show. And like the idea was put envelopes under everybody's chair and they would have to pull an envelope out and say, you know, your mission, should you choose to accept it? And they would have an improv game inside. And then you open the improv game and then that audience member would either play with us or it would be a game where we just presentationally played for the audience. Um, Yeah, so that's where it kind of... That's where the inception of it began, which was like, cool, we'll be secret agents of comedy. Um, You know, on one hand, as somebody who really appreciates the art of improv, it's absolutely like horrible to my soul to be like, you have this short form show that uh, you market and sell that is completely, you know, at the time you're like, it's against the rules of improv. But then like looking back, you use the long form rules in, in the short form stuff. But at the time it was like, I don't know. It's like a Jekyll and Hyde of sorts, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think, you know, you say oh, this is a horrible name or whatever, but it's like that name is so catchy. People remember it. Well, it's catchy for the college market. I mean, yeah. You know, if you tell your, uh, you know, your Aunt Jan and your Uncle Frank, uh, hey, uh, I'm doing a show called, you know, uh, you know, Toro and the Cape. At, you know, at this long form theater, they're gonna be like, I don't really know what that is. But if you, if they read something that says Mission Improbable, they know what it is. Yeah, right all away. of a sudden it's like there's some elements that come into your head, even if you don't know what improv is. You're sure. Like, oh well, I've got, got an idea. Yeah, and I mean, and that was kind of the idea. Our goal wasn't to, you know, sell us as a long form entity because you know we were very aware that we weren't good at it, that we were <laughs> learning improv, you know, 
and then hopefully one day would be good at it. Um, so we had the mark, the uh, the college market show going, and we just kept the name. So we played under that name at um, I/O as well. Wow, there were many attempts for people. People would chime in often about like you got to change the name. So we were a group of fairly arrogant people who came in and stayed together as a team. <laughs> Unbeknownst to us, it was just you know ignorance. We didn't know we shouldn't do that. And then we were playing under a name like Mission Improbable, which wasn't always the easiest thing to do. Yeah, probably not at I.O. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Caught so much crap for that name. I feel like in, in Chicago specifically, and I can't speak to the markets, but a lot of people who get up here and do improv are like, yeah, I'm an improviser. And they're just like, kind of do it. And they don't really have a plan or they don't have like a goal of, of turning to a business. But I mean, it sounds like from even from college, you had the idea of like, we're going to we're going to grow this into something eventually. It seems like you had like your eyes ahead and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, you know, it just it, it goes back to like what I, what I was saying, which is like it was a career. It was a career move. So it was either, you know, go into uh, the tech world or for some people go into the business world or math world. <laughs> I don't know why I say math. Uh, we had this one guy who was a mathematician. That's why. But, oh. um, but for us, it was a career choice. So we had to approach it like a career. It's like how do you... How do you invest your time in this and see financial reward? Because yeah. that's what we were looking for. So, so let's go back. Mm-hmm. Um, you were born and raised in the Dallas area. In the D-Tex. D-Tex. Uh, As were you. Yes. Fort Worth was, it's like we're brothers from another I know. city. Fort uh, Worth was like a whole different, like that was a vacation if we went to Fort Worth. <laughs> it's true. It was like, wow, you had to take, was it 30? You had to go 30 for I like. 30, or I-20 or 27. Uh, for like you 45 minutes. I was at least one gas station. Yeah, you know? I, I feel like in Fort Worth, uh, you know, when I was starting, going to Dallas was where the work was. So for me, it was just like, yeah, that's just the next neighborhood. But for Dallas people, Fort Worth is like, well, that's uncharted territory. Did you do acting in Dallas? We're, yeah. we're switching the interview now. Now I'm interviewing oh, you. Oh, my. How'd this yeah. happen? Um, yeah, I, I totally did. Did <clears throat> you ever pursue any of that when you were growing up in I, Texas? I didn't. Not professionally. I did, you know, uh, plays and stuff in high school. I mean... We rocked a man of La Mancha and a damn Yankees, but uh, but no, not professionally. I never, never did really. Did it occur to you growing up that it was something you wanted to do professionally? It did. Um, actually, I did a production of Les Mis my junior year of high school, and at the beginning of that show, there's just like just as the people are coming in, and and we were all frozen as like characters on stage. So I had to, you had to stay like perfectly frozen for for like half an hour. Wow. While the audience entered the uh, the theater. And I remember in the my very first it was my very first show, and I remember just standing there horrified, and then being so addicted to the adrenaline of it, and being like, "This is what I'm going to do." Yeah. And just like I still very vividly remember that epiphany. So, it's been when a, did it's improv been come in? Like, was that did you see any improv? Uh, in improv Texas? came in in um, my freshman year of college. I was studying uh, theater. Like, just, I mean, drama is what I love to do. Actually, uh-huh. I always joke that I don't even do comedy. Um, but, um, love, love, love anytime I can get into anything dramatic. It's one of my favorite things to do. And, um, there was an improv group and I, I did it and I feel like it's something that fit me well. And, uh, I enjoyed the camaraderie of it and I enjoyed the ensemble nature of like, we created something out of nothing. I mean, at the time we were doing, again, we were doing short form games at that time. This was like 95. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It just it, there's something beautiful about the like just coming up with it on the spot. Yeah, 
and having so many theater rehearsals, it was great to like <laughs> not really rehearse. Yeah. It was like something beautiful about that. Um, yeah, that's, that was it. So how did, uh, I, f- I feel like, and, and you probably heard the statistic, a lot of people from Texas don't leave Texas. You know, oh, yeah. I think it's the number one state. Like Time Magazine did something last year about people that grow up that stay. Yeah. And uh, so the fact <clears throat> that uh, you went to Massachusetts, then Chicago, then LA, like you are the exception to the rule. <laughs> did it ever, did that ever weird you out of like, I'm going to go to college as far away as I can. Uh, no, I don't think that was the plan. I, you know, I started in Austin, um, for two years and then moved to Massachusetts. So it was one of, it was kind of a deal of, um, in Austin, I like, you you know, you leave the nest and then you're like, Oh great. I took a step. What's further. So I was like, Oh, let me see. You know, I always wanted to go to the East coast and out of high school, my theater teacher, both of them were from Massachusetts. Mm. They'd taught in mass uh, and always said, you know, if you get a chance, you should go there. So, uh, I thought I would just make a move. Nice. Yeah, it was good. And all these, uh, all the other guys that were with you, um, did how did you guys meet in college? Like, where was that genesis? Um, half of them we met at the improv in that first improv kind of audition. Like when I moved to Massachusetts, and they had like, like I said, the once a, once a semester improv show. Yeah. And then the others uh, we met after I joined the group. I became the director of it, and then I added a few people. Um, at the next round of auditions. So that's that's kind of where we all developed from. Nice. Yeah. Did you, in like the summers in between uh, going to school, did you come back to Dallas and try and do anything there or see a lot of stuff? Uh, a little bit. I actually worked at a summer camp in New York during the summers. Oh. Which was a lot of fun. It was a circus. It was a performing arts camp, but uh, I got stuck working in the circus, which was interesting. Nice. It was just holding lines and like watching people... Uh, you know, watching people walk a high wire, stuff like that. It was, it was <laughs> bizarre. Fun. You know, a lot of fun, though. You, so you guys start touring out of mm-hmm. Chicago. And how long uh, did you tour before you were like, this is this going to be something that we're, this is going to be really, like, did you know before you started that it was, like, going to be a thing? Um, I don't think we ever anticipated necessarily where, how big it would get. Yeah. Um, I think in the time we definitely anticipated success. That was the whole reason we were doing it because it was going to be our job, you uh-huh. know? And I, th- again, I come back to like this poetic ignorance. It's like, we just didn't know better. <laughs> like, I don't know if it was because we all lacked that day of school where people told us what we shouldn't do. Um, but we never really knew that we, that couldn't be done. So, uh, when we put the show together and started touring it and the feedback of it was fantastic, you know? So I think that just fueled the fire. Um, and then we were doing, we got into this, the college market and we were doing a handful of shows. I remember like the first semester, I think we did like 12 shows, which is a lot of shows, you know? Yeah. And we were like, wow, this is amazing. This is incredible. Um, you know, but we were all still working at restaurants or other things. And um, then we then we did this national showcase that was in the, the kind of the college world. Uh-huh. Um, and it just exploded. And I, again, I go back to, I think it was probably our age at the time that just meshed with that market. But it was, we went from 12 shows one year to a little under 200 the next year. Wow. And it was a complete change of lifestyle. It was living in a van, touring the country. Like we would be in Chicago maybe three months in the summer and then a month, you know, like the month of December, and then just full time on the road, 
like city to city and in the college market you do one show and then you move to the next town so it's not like you get you know four shows in Syracuse it's like you're in Syracuse then you're in Albany then you're in Binghamton you know and then you're down and at UConn and then so it was uh, a lot of traveling and it was amazing I mean it's definitely one of those things that if any improviser can find a way to get on with you know either uh, comedy sports or IO's Torco or any of the second city Torcos or with our group um, do it because it's incredible. You, you're traveling the country or world in some cases, uh, doing improv, which is what you want to do, which is what you love and you're getting paid to do it. Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing that, uh, quiets the family, uh, critics more than getting a paycheck for, for your art. Do you remember the day that you were like, Oh, I can quit my job because I'm about to go on tour and do 200 shows. Yeah, I, I kept a job at a restaurant here in Chicago, and um, they were they were great about flexibility, like l- allowing me to just disappear for two weeks and come back and work a few shifts. Um, and I just remember the time where I was gone for so long that they were just like, you're, you're just gone. We love you, but <laughs> there's, no, you know, there's not really anything that we can do for you at this point. We just can't keep you on. Yeah. Um, and that was it. And I thought, well, when I go back, I'll find a different job again. And I just never had to go back. That's awesome. Yeah, it was I'm, I'm very fortunate. So a bunch of 21 to 23-year-olds in yep. a van going from town to town in college towns, and it's all men going, like, right. that. there had to be some crazy times. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was fun. I mean, you're, you're growing, you're living life, you're discovering uh, yourself. Were you're the ladies yourself. at these colleges, like, all over you guys? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. I'll just say. Guys, I'll just say. You had we, to be uh, rock stars, right? No, no, no. Here's the deal: when you're in a band and you play at a college, there are there's ladies or dudes, whatever you're into. There's that all over the place. Uh, when you're a comedian and you finish a show, you hang out with the nerds. Yeah. And yeah. and God bless it because that's my people. Like so, <laughs> I enjoyed. I enjoyed somebody saying like, "Hey, man, that was a great show." I hear you like chess. Do you want to play a game? I'd be like, absolutely. Let's go to the Applebee's, <laughs> throw down some tequila chicken, and um, play a game of chess. Uh, chess well, or checkers or whatever, you know. Living the dream. Um, I love it. Yeah. But here and there, you know, I think if you ask each guy, you'll get a different, very different story. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't, don't want to blow up their spot, you know. Of course. <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot or anything. blow but up to... their spot, dog. Well, let's know. How long did you tour before? Because... At some point, you, I don't know if all of you did it at once, but, you know, you transitioned from doing the shows to, like, managing the company. Yeah, there was a turning point about three years in. So, um, after about two seasons, guys started to peel away after the second season. Because, you, you know, you do it, and it's incredible, and it grows. And then the second year, you do it, and it's, it's kind of more of the same thing. And, like, there is so much corn in the United States. <laughs> you just see <laughs> corn everywhere. Like, it doesn't matter where you are. There's a... There's, Plenty of corn to feed the whole world. There's plenty of it. So uh, you just get tired of the monotony of corn and, <laughs> and farmland and, you know, being away from the Internet. Um, and it just feel like it just hits this spot after two years of like it doesn't feel like there's forward momentum. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it became a thing for, I think, everybody who had joined the group, who was hungry to do more to like break off and. Um, stay in Chicago and either try to grow as an improviser in long form or try to pursue, you know, commercials and film and TV. 
Uh, so people had different reasons for wanting to peel off. So they peeled off, and then myself and Lloyd Alquist stayed on for three years. And um, then when we were coming off, there was a you know, a, a conscious decision to let's replace people as people come off. So there's, it's always taught, like the show's always taught. Um, so we added Sean Monahan and Sean Casey. And then a little further down the line, Pete Shukoff and Mike Patette, um, and Dennis O'Toole. And then as we added those guys, they kind of became the gen two of the company. And I think it was at that point when we realized as long as you find the people, not the most talented people necessarily, but the people who fit uh, your type of personality and your mental approach to what's happening. Mm -hmm. It's like when we audition, we're not looking for the funniest guy. We're looking for the guy whose psychology is in line with what our psychology is. Yeah. So um, so we just started uh, adding people and replacing people. And, uh, and then as we started to migrate west, it was... Um, Hey, do we want to shut this down or do we want to keep it going? Um, and I, you know, we decided this is a really cool opportunity for uh, guys in the city to jump into the show and make a living. So we decided to keep it going. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, what was the impetus for you to move to California? Uh, for me or for the company? Uh, both. Well, for me, I wanted to uh, pursue acting outside of the improv world, you mm. know, that was always something I really enjoyed doing, and it's what I studied in school to a degree, and um, I wanted to get back to that. Uh, for the company, it, in an odd way, it, it, there wasn't really an impetus for the company to move west, but everybody's goals kind of followed in that direction. Yeah. So, I mean, we were just really running that touring company for about four or five years. It wasn't growing. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't really doing anything. It just it really kind of sustained itself. Like, you know, we paid, the, I think we paid the performers pretty, pretty decent. Um, and then what was left was paying somebody to run the touring company. At the time, uh, I was running the touring company. So it was like, it would pay me to kind of run it and just make sure that everybody was organized and that the shows were booked right and, um, you know, that there were shows coming in. Um, but I think we were all just trying to do acting and find something else. And then over the course of from like, I think I moved to LA in 2002 at the end of 2002 and then for the rest of the guys over the next five years all moved out there uh, and then when we got there I think that's when it was like all right if we're going to do this again let's take it to the next level like what's the next thing past touring and that's when we started to conceive other shows and other ideas and other avenues. Nice. Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, I mean, coming from someone who moved to Chicago, like I didn't know what Mission Improbable was when I got here, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people don't necessarily know. But I don't think a lot of people know, and I don't think we really try to make a point of publicizing it. You know, we don't have a theater in the city of Chicago. We have one in L.A. now, but, um, you know, we don't really publicize it. We don't advertise it around. We don't, there's no need to for us. I mean, we don't have a home show. and Yeah, but know. I mean, it's great because I remember going to my first in my audition i think it was my first year here second mm -hmm. year here and i was like there's a, a whole nother group that you can do that like there's i just remember i was like there's more stuff i can audition for and i don't that's know that's the city i mean every time you turn a corner you'll find something that's amazing you know yeah but i mean i think particularly for mission improbable it's that oh here's something based out of chicago that you can make a living off of and you can as what you were saying you know yeah. you tour the country and it's like what you've done you've given a lot of people 
maybe not their start, but definitely a yeah. big part of their career. Well, we're trying, and we're trying to make that position nowadays. We're trying to make that position as career as possible. You know, we want to be a premier touring company ultimately. You know, I think that the date's there, and the time uh, and the road is definitely there. So we're trying to make like like we just uh, as of this year, we give all the guys uh, healthcare. So like it's nice. so you know we're trying to make it as legit a career job as possible because when we moved here that's what we wanted it to be yeah. it was a career you know we want to be able to offer that for guys um yeah if uh in a hypothetical world mm-hmm. if uh you cannot make any money off of anything entertainment no acting no singing no improv nothing mm-hmm. uh what career would you go into i don't know i don't know I don't think that world exists to me. I think we're, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, Winemaking? Okay. Maybe. Why not? <laughs> you can edit out my 15 I don't knows there. No, nah, so I, nah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, um, it's a hard yeah, question, especially for someone like you. You've been doing it for... I just, you know, years effort. ago, I had a conversation with somebody about that very question. And, the, uh, and there's a thing in acting, in an acting school that I learned uh, this interview and the guy said that very question and I said I don't know and he said good then you're accepted <laughs> he's like anybody who ever tells me any other answer I say you can't come into this school go do what you're go do that instead wow so now I'm always hesitant to answer that question okay. with anything other than like act, <laughs> acting. That's what I'm gonna do. What What are you letting me into, Rich Baker? Not, no, That's no, it. no. You're You're already in, man. Uh, I have no power. I'm uh, not kicking you out of anything. I think winemaking would be fun. You know, yeah, why not? If I had my druthers, I'd I'd buy a uh, a winery somewhere in like Northern California and just go full blown hippie and yeah. just like beard, dreads, showers would become a thing of the past. Who needs them? <laughs> it rains uh, occasionally. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, a spouse would become a thing of the past apparently because I don't shower and she'd be like, "I'm fed up with you. I'm out, stinky." There it yeah. is. Um, that would be it. Yeah. Um. So, fifteen-year-old kid comes up to you and right. says, "Aaron Krebs, yeah, I want to do what you do. What advice do you give him?" Um, a, make sure that you love every minute of it. You know, I'm a big believer in it's not the destination; it's the journey. Hmm. I think that's huge. Um, so just enjoy it. You know, I still see a lot of people that get so frustrated with um, acting. Not so much improv. I think improv breeds kind of a camaraderie and a support, uh, which is part of its inherent beauty. Um, but with acting, uh, when I'm teaching, I see that there's a ton of people that get so frustrated with, I'm not at this spot yet. And I feel like you have to pull back from that for a moment and say like, you know, it's the journey. It's me learning, you know, learning this technique or learning this about myself, um, to be a better actor or improviser. And I think that that's, that's probably the first thing. And then that 15 year old would look at me completely confused because none of that would make sense to them. Um, and then I would say, just have fun. What's next for you? You've got theater, you've got the touring troops, you're out in LA, you're doing your thing. I don't what, know, I don't like, know. If you could like make a goal like, oh man, if I could only do this, like mm-hmm. what would that be? Um, well, I'm going to do a play coming up. It's kind of a dark comedy, which is fun. So I'm excited to get back to the theater, which I haven't been able to do for a long time. Nice. So we do that, you know, and just continued, um, I, I hope for continued success in the acting in the acting world, you know, TV and film have been uh, going going well, and I just hope that that keeps happening. Nice. Yeah. 
What do you want to plug? Obviously, um, Mission Improbable, if they're in your town. You know. Yeah, I mean, we got Mission Improbable going. We have the Shot of Reality tour going. Um, that's pretty fun. Uh, we've got the West Side Comedy Theater. So if you're in L.A., come check out the West Side Comedy Theater in Santa Monica. Um, should I give websites? Can I sure, whatever you, whatever you Westsidecomedy. want. Westsidecomedy.com. Yes. That's the, uh, it's the theater. And it's a, it's a great blend of short-form improv, long-form improv, and stand-up. So uh, it's by the beach. There's a bar. There's no reason not to go. Yeah, right. You can uh, watch the sunset over the uh, Western civilization. (laughs) And then you can. I just had to make that as grand as possible. Uh, And then you can come over and have one of 36 delicious beers that Chris Gorbos has crafted together. When I mean crafted, he didn't make the beers. He just crafted the collection of beers. Um, And watch improv or stand up or or whatever absolutely yeah Aaron Krabs thank you so much for being on the show absolutely man this is a lot of fun living the dream huge thank you to the CEO of Comedy Podcast Network Phil Ranta original artwork by Tom Burns original music by Diana Lawrence the email livingthedreampodcast at gmail.com check out facebook.com slash livingthedreampodcast please take a minute to rate the show on iTunes leave a comment it helps me out a lot I really appreciate it next week I talk with professional street musician that's right he makes his living playing music on the streets of Chicago Ryan Westwood a great guy makes for a really great interview thanks for listening my name is Rich Baker and this is Living the Dream. Dream.